Welcome to another episode of the Art of You podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Grant, also known as Rose Drive. Today, we welcome Mason Bendigo, host of the Breathe in Air podcast, former college football player and self-awareness specialist. Mason shares his story about his journey as a football player, how football was part of his identity, how he dealt with a few major injuries and his transformation since college to now as a podcast host. Mason shares his thoughts on meditation, programming the subconscious mind, and being comfortable in solitude. If you enjoy this episode, take a screenshot and tag Mason and myself and let us know what you think. I hope you enjoy this episode. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the Art of You podcast. Today, we are with Mason Bendigo, former college football player and athlete and host of the Breathe and Air podcast. Mason, uh, making time to come on the podcast, man. I'm stoked to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. You know, we stumble across each other and I'm, I'm pumped to be here. I hope I can give value to the listeners. Absolutely. I, I'm really thankful that we uh, came across each other. I feel like, you know, the social media gods blessed us uh, with this connection. <laughs> so um, it's really cool how, you know, that seems to happen, um, you know, through podcasts and social media and different circles. So Mason, um, I know that you grew up in athletes. Can you kind of talk about what life was like for Mason growing up as an athlete and, you know, your relationship with, uh, you know, different teammates and, you know, why did you love playing sports so much? Yeah, it was just something to me that, you know, was life. It was everything. Growing up, it was something that I loved to do. And I look back now, and of course, I love the sports. I love the camaraderie. You know, I played baseball, basketball, football growing up. Um, wow. I, I loved all those things, right? But really, I just love competing. I, I, I love to win. I was a competitor, and I love to compete. And God blessed me with some athletic ability that I then was able to say, all right, let's work on these skills. Let's work on these things. Let's get bigger, faster, stronger. Um, let's, you know, be able to learn the ins and outs of, of the game of football or basketball. Um, and basketball was really my first love and kind of transformed when I moved in, I guess this would be sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade. I lived in Lubbock, Texas, and I had only lived there for a couple of years and I was playing tight end. And I remember my dad telling me like, Hey, my, my job's transferring us. We're moving to Missouri. Ooh. And I was like, Whoa, this is such a, at, at the time, you know, adolescent, probably close to puberty. If like going in the middle of it had just kind of settled into a new town and made some friends, you know, that's a, that's a weird time as a kid. And yeah, so I use that transition as like, I, I think I want to play quarterback. Like I want to do this quarterback thing. And I remember going to my sixth or seventh grade <laughs> coach at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm moving and I, I want to make this transition. Like, could I maybe get some reps with the quarterbacks? And, and he was like, no, no, like just, you know, we had a really good quarterback at the time. But he was like, no, nah, just stay with the tight ends. Like, you're <laughs> just stay there. So 
um, that was like the first kind of transition of me wanting to make that switch whenever we moved. And I mean, long story short, ended up moving and ended up making that transition, falling in love with the game of football, uh, the feeling that I got from it, the locker room. Um, and, and then that switch of, I want to play basketball in college was now I want to play football in college and played football and basketball throughout high school. And then ended up, uh, at Lindenwood university, uh, got a collegiate scholarship to play quarterback there. So the switch, wow. you played a high level, um, of high school football. I think you played six a in Missouri, right? I I'm sure it was pretty hard to get any sort of playing time on that high level of a football team. I'm sure you know, the, the athletes you're playing against and maybe some of your teammates are, you know, playing, getting recruited by SEC schools or, you know, whatnot. And uh, I'm sure it's really competitive. Can you talk about, you know, playing quarterback at that, that high level in high school and maybe a, a specific moment that maybe something like clicked in your mind or switch where you're like, man, this is like what I'm meant to do. Like I'm a quarterback, I'm a football player. This is something that I really want to push and see how far I can take this. Yeah, I'll preface with this because at the time, and and this isn't where I'm at currently, yeah. high school and college, but like at the time, this was my life. Like I ate, slept, breathed for this. I like lived for for sports. Like that was what I did. That was my identity. And um, I actually tore my ACL in high school. And I remember, I remember when we first moved to Missouri. I'll backtrack a little they were showing my parents the the stadium and, you know, we came from Texas where football is a religion. And, <laughs> and so they're showing them the stadium and showing the school, like you said, it's a six, a school in Missouri, great school, great town uh, out in Eureka, Missouri. Great people. Uh, love that place. Always will. But um, I remember they were showing my dad the, the stadium and he's like, Oh yeah, this, this, is a, this is a nice practice field. And they're like, no, 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 this is like the game field. And he was oh. like, because it was just so different like I yeah. in Keller and Southlake where they're like selling out big arenas so football the way the football way of life in Texas is just like a whole different scene you know but you know made great memories and and went through that adversity of tearing my ACL multiple times actually um, once my sophomore year and and at, that was actually my first start as a varsity quarterback and Jeez. then once Shortly before I went to college, I had gotten my scholarship to play and had dealt with a few injuries here and there that, as anyone knows, that goes through the recruiting process hurts whenever you're having injuries in high school. And I definitely had my handful in high school. And so I was playing pickup basketball. And here's those competitive juices, right? At graduation, I had just recovered, take like six months to recover from an ACL and end of the game, the game was over. I'm pretty sure we were playing for a $25 gift card to Quick Trip. <laughs> I said, like, competitive juices were flowing. Yeah. Just was like, I'm going to end this game, like, with a high note. And I went in to the paint, tried to dunk on somebody, got hit in the air, came down on my knee. Boom, it popped. I was like, I just started crying. I was on the ground just crying because I knew exactly what I had done again. And everyone wow. thought I was joking. They were like, oh, like, get up. You're fine. You're fine. And like, I just remember sitting there just like sobbing because I knew that I was about to take this next step into at the time, what was my world? And it had just been like, just like snap of a finger, it was taken. So 
Um, thankfully, didn't have those injuries in college. But looking back, and this is what I like to preface for with, you know, my experiences of ACL and, and being in a college locker room and and having to, you know, get up at 4.30 in the morning for weights, making sure you're making grades in class, making sure that you're on time to meetings and, you know, going through those injuries, going through those adversities, those, th those are the things that stuck with me forever, right? I no longer have the game of football, but I have all the lessons that it taught me. And that is what is most valuable, right? And, and there is that identity crisis that happens, whether you're an athlete or not. I think athletes definitely go through it, especially if you play at a higher level. But there is always an identity crisis at some point. And for me, it was after that game was taken from me, right? I was like, wow, this is no longer a part of me. It is a part of me, like in my yeah. soul and the lessons that I've learned and the relationships that I've made, especially. But I am no longer Mason, a football player. Like now, who am I now? How do I want the world to know me? And, and what do I want to be remembered for? And that is kind of where Breathe in Air podcast came to life from. It was me saying, I'm going to put all the other things aside, the walls that I built up, like the jock or the party guy or whatever it may be. Right. And I, cause like, there's more to me. Right. And I wanted to show that side that like, Hey, it's okay to be vulnerable and you can still be a man. It's okay to meditate. Like it's okay to do these things. So that's where my interest for this and, and interest for life and how to go about this life in general came from, because I was sitting back thinking, man, I just went through four years of college and they never talk about finances they never, unless you're like in accounting or something, right. But like personal finances, they never talk about meditation They never talk about how to eat right. Or, or these certain things that are so vital to our important everyday life for us to like feel fulfilled and, and live happy, successful lives. So that's kind of where I was like, let's go, let's, let's make this podcast and let's try and change people's lives. And it's a funny thing when you try and channel your energy to help other people you in turn get so much. And, and that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from the podcast so far. So what I, something I think I've identified in you and I could be wrong is, um, you know, you were a quarterback and I think that quarterbacks have a unique leadership DNA. They have an ability to create unit cohesion and kind of community and whatnot. How has being a football player, being a quarterback, being the man in the huddle, calling the plays, bringing everybody together, getting everybody on the same page and then being away from the locker room. How has that, the absence of maybe that community sparked something inside of you to create your own community with breathe in air podcast? Yeah. And you know, I'm just jogging my memory back to when I was like a little kid and my mom saying like, look, like you have leadership ability. Like it's just natural. And I, I talked about this on Danny's podcast the other day. It's, it's something that we all have innate gifts and whether we like it or not, like they are us, they're a part of us. And there's certain things that we're good at. And for me, leadership happened to be one of those things. Now, was I always a, a good leader? No. Did I have to learn a lot of lessons? Yes. But did I also realize that like my words and actions have an impact that the things that I do can stand out if I, and I can turn people in the right way or the wrong way. And there's been many times where I've turned people in the wrong way, right? Yeah. I kind of looked back and was like, I want to 
use this innate gift that I feel that I have for communication and cohesion and community that I long for this community, right? So I'm like, I want to create a positive community because how many times was I the guy that was like, chug that beer, like what, <laughs> like do this, do that with like no self-conscious whatsoever. And, you know, it's not about the beers. It's about me being able to use like my innate ability and us as humans to be able to own these things that we're good at and realize that this is a gift that you've been given. So use it, use it correctly. It's like the Spider-Man thing, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes I feel like we don't realize our power. And if, if we don't realize it, one, we can't use it, but also we can use it for the wrong things if, if we're not conscious of it. Absolutely. And I, you, you already mentioned like consciousness and, you know, level of awareness and meditation is not taught in school. And, and, it's not even on, you know, so many people's radars. If you're a college athlete, you're trying to just, you know, pass your classes, bring your A game, hit the workouts, be on time. And meditation is just like not on people's radars. As a podcaster, Mason, what are some things for you, you know, internally, how has having your own podcast benefited you? I know that you want to have an impact on others, but what are some things that people might not consider or might overlook about, you know, the benefits of having a podcast in, in terms of personal development? A big part of my mission was to, like I said, own my gift and be able to help other people. But at the same time, I wanted to learn how to start a business. I wanted to learn how to build a brand. Uh, I wanted to learn, you know, how e-commerce works, how online marketing works, these things that are very prevalent in today, which I didn't have much of a background in. So I kind of started from scratch. I didn't even make an Instagram until I started the podcast. Wow. So it was one of those things that I was like, let's dive into a new world here, use what we have and then build on what we don't. And so that is a big, big benefit of it. Uh, you spoke about meditation and um, law of attraction, these things of quieting our mind and like drawing uh, certain people and certain places and things into our lives that are meant to be there, right? Kind of like going with the flow of life versus like pushing back on what our true calling is. And I think meditation really like opened that world for me to be able to like get into my subconscious and stop like always having chaos in my head, right? And that is where these connections come from. That is where this conversation with you and I comes from that. I truly believe all of these incredible people that I've met along the way. Yes. I've had to reach out to some people, but you, it's, it's crazy what happens when you align your intentions and your subconscious and your actions and everything just starts kind of meshing together. And all of these doors start opening that you have like, that you didn't even ask for. They just have, it's like these people, you yourself included, Danny, I can name a list of a million other people that have come into my life through me starting this and having intention and not caring what people thought and, and, you know, setting those goals and standards for myself. And it's, it's incredible. And that's another big thing that I've gotten from the podcast, not only how to build and own your own personal brand and a brand of a podcast, but also, you know, the power of surrounding yourself with great people, great energy, and, and things that I've learned from, you know, just having great guests on the show has been incredible. 
in itself. I love that so much. And you brought up a subject that I'm so interested in and passionate about. If I could spend 12 hours a day studying subconscious mind, I would. What was your like awakening, like knowing about the subconscious mind and kind of like the idea that we're always programming it and we're putting things out there and we're attracting programming your subconscious mind or your understanding of your subconscious mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an incredible space. And this was one of the things that I really got interested in as well and intrigued. I got really into neuroscience because I was like, this is so cool. Like our brains run everything. They run our body. They're always in motion. The circuitries, they're sending signals throughout our body. They run this shell that we live in, right? And when we take away the shell of our physical being and how we, our appearance, like there's a soul, there's a spirit, right? I believe that the three big pillars are body, mind, and spirit. And that if you are putting efforts and trying to get 1% better in those three categories every day, that you're having successful days. And so really, I actually just had a guy on that is a student of Dr. Joe Dispenza. And Dr. Spencer, if you've ever heard of his work, is very centered around the subconscious mind, being able to tap into the subconscious mind. Um, definitely go check that out if you're really interested in this topic, because we go pretty in depth with it. But um, basically, the best way for me to dumb it down is that we all have habits that we do every day, like things that we don't even realize, right? And we're not aware of them. So they're subconscious habits. They're things that we do. We get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, or whether you get up in the morning, you're scrolling on your phone or um, these kind of things, right? That we've done so many times that we don't even realize that we're doing them. And this can lead to good habits and bad habits. And this can lead to conscious habits and not conscious habits, right? So most of the time when we're doing these things, we don't even realize it, right? Like whatever habits we've put ourselves into, we've just, you know, formed this pattern in our brain and in our circuitry, whether that's, you know, good or bad. And so the, the, the process of tapping into your sub, subconscious mind is one being aware, being aware of your thoughts and being aware that it's not the thoughts that you have, but it's the thoughts that you attach to. Because I think oftentimes when we talk about meditation, it's like we try and stop, stop thinking about something, right? And, and if we're thinking while we're meditating, we think we aren't meditating. But in reality, we can meditate in so many, so many ways, right? Like physical activity could be a form of meditation. And, and the fact that we have thoughts going on is not saying that we aren't in a meditative state. So one, being aware of your thoughts is the first step, I think, to tapping into your subconscious mind and then being able to quiet them, being able to realize that you are a shell of a human, right? This is just a shell that we have. Like this is not our being. We, this is our physical body, physical carrier, whatever you want to call it, right? We're so much more than that. That's why we have connections with people. Like we're not just walking around like zombies, right? If, if we didn't have that that spirit, we just be like walking around, just be like Ooh, drooling on each other and stuff. <laughs> so being able to tap into your subconscious through breathing exercises has been a huge one for me. Uh, Wim Hof breathing has been huge for me. Um, being able to tap into your subconscious through breathing and through meditation 
to then be aware of your thoughts, be aware of your presence, be aware that we are just shells of a being and that there's a spiritual, you know, being inside of us that is actually who we are. Um, and then being able to take that and utilize it and utilize, and this takes practice, right? You have to start somewhere. When I started this, I had no clue what I was doing. And being able to take that and say, okay, now I'm aware of my thoughts. I'm aware of my subconscious patterns. I'm aware that I brush my teeth with my right hand every morning and that I pee right after. <laughs> you know, I'm aware that I, as the first thing that I do in the morning is touch my phone. So once we start being able to be aware of our subconscious patterns, then through meditation, through breathing, and through that intention, we can change those habits. And when we start changing those habits, the world starts changing in front of us. And that's whenever we start seeing like these kind of connections that happen, you start seeing uh, things differently, your perspective changes, because you are operating at a different level of, of consciousness, right? You are, and, and it sounds like if you break it down, it sounds crazy. But whenever you start really doing it, you'll realize that a lot of people are walking around dead, like they are in the same routine every day and they've programmed their subconscious through this routine that they're just, you know, the hamster on the wheel. Right. And I was so scared of being that hamster on the wheel that I started diving into these things. So long story short, being aware, knowing what you're doing, knowing where you, what you're doing, right, what you're doing wrong, and then aligning your intentions and being able to realize that we are so much more than just physical beings. Mason, that was absolutely phenomenal. I love that whole breakdown, dude. I have to say really quick, my med my relationship with meditation, but Jimmy before and then Jimmy after, I would equate it to like, I was living life in a rush and in a hurry, and I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, Mason, with your you know progression of meditation and understanding your subconscious, how have done a better job of taming those negative thoughts, recognizing I don't have to have these. I'm in charge of what's going on up here. I, I can create new habitual thoughts. How has that relationship with, you know, negative thoughts changed throughout your relationship and development of meditation and knowing about the subconscious? Yeah. And this, this is something that's huge because whenever you start seeing and feeling the results of a meditative practice or, you know, being aware of your thoughts and thought patterns, um, it's where you see the biggest difference. And for me, it's simple. Here's a simple one. You're driving in your car, someone cuts you off. You want to say, fuck you or whatever, like, and flip them off. Right? And before, maybe I would have done that. But then it's just like, why am I putting any type of that energy? Like, what is that doing for me to, to take myself out of a calm, positive headspace to then push my limited energy that I have throughout the day to this useful thing. And it kind of, you just laugh. You're like, Oh, okay. Totally. Uh, so things like small things like that and small things like, like what I said earlier about, we all have these negative thoughts, right? We all say like, I'm not good enough for this. I don't look as good as this person. Why does this person have this? Why does this person have that? And there's a quote that I always love to repeat to myself. And it's that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And, and in today's society where we're constant, our attention is constantly bombarded, like so much stimulus, 
phones, TVs, our attention is constantly being bargained for. And by, you know, tapping into your subconscious and being aware of your thought life, you know, you can start seeing what is working for you and what it, you're working for per se, right? Like, is this type of thing that I'm seeing on my feed something that's good for me? Is this person something that's good for me? Is this um, activity that I'm doing something that's good for me versus is this something that's serving me or that I'm able to serve others and in turn serve myself? So that, that is the biggest thing for me was like, I'm aware, way more aware of that. And that's the first step to changing your life is being aware that you're doing these things. Because when we like program our subconscious over and over again, we get into a place where we don't even realize it. And that's the scary part. And you could fall, I could easily fall back into that if I wasn't garnishing these habits just like if I didn't work out physically for two months, I would feel it whenever I started going again, right? So you have to exercise this, your mind, and just as you would exercise your body. And it's just something that I hope everyone can feel and understand. And, you know, my friends still make fun of me for some of it. And, and that's okay. And that's the thing. I got to the point where when people would judge me, I would feel so like bad about myself or not bad, but I would, it would bother me. Right. Sure. Like, I don't like that feeling. Like I'm a peep, I'm a people pleaser. Like I want people to like me. I want to, like I said, I want community. I want to have a group of people around me that I, I can believe in and trust in. And that I know, believe and trust in me. I feel like that is one of the best feelings that you can have when you have people that really believe in you and really trust in you. So before, if someone would say a negative comment or something, it'd like really bother me. But then I was like, who cares? You know, like this yeah. is, this is who I am. And, and that's okay. And I think that's where we get lost in today's society easily is we get so caught up in comparing ourselves and, and by quieting my mind, going back to the subconscious thing, quieting my mind, writing down goals, meditating, putting myself in uncomfortable positions that is how I came out of it better and was able to be like, these are new habits that I have. And that was part of the title for Breathe in Air. It's like the abstract title, right? Uh, people sometimes are like, oh, I know a lot about breath work. And there's nothing, it, the title has nothing to do with breath work personally. <laughs> you know, breathing is something that we all do. We all breathe air. It's how we live. It's innate for us to live this way, right? So we don't walk around thinking, okay, I need to take my next breath. I need to take my next breath. I need to take my next breath, right? It's a subconscious thing that we do to live. And that was another part of it. Like we are breathing air here. Like this is these subconscious habits that we're not really taught in school that I want to find and that I want to be able to give to people that are searching for, and they might not even know they're searching for them because they might not even know they exist. So that's where the podcast came in to say, like, this is where, you know, we bridge that gap. This is what they don't teach you in school. And the tagline is everyday action, extraordinary mindset, mm. because we think about all these things. We can, you know, the law of attraction is great. Meditation is great. Um, you know, positive affirmations, goal setting, all these things I do and that I encourage people to do are great. And I think they're very good vessels for success. But I could write down, you know, 
I want six pack abs or I want to start a business. And if there's no action behind those thoughts, nothing matters. No. <laughs> right. So that's where the everyday action has to happen. Like shoot your shot. And that's one thing that I've realized is it doesn't matter if you're wrong because you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong over and over and over again. And the more comfortable you get with failure, it, the better off you'll be. And that's where the mindset switched. Also, it was like, if I fail here, this is just me checking off one thing that I know didn't work. And now I'm one step closer to where I want to be. Yeah. And when I started looking at life that way, it changed everything because I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't work, guess what? I'm one step closer to where I want to be. Like, I know not to repeat those steps. So that's where the action comes in. And that's what I think is the catalyst behind all of these good techniques of, you know, mindfulness and being aware and, and self-love and those kind of things. Mason, you brought up so many great points there. Um, I want to, I want to dig in a little bit about setting goals and having goals and versus taking action, but I want to take a step back really quick and dig in a little bit on something you brought up that triggered something in me about you're talking, you're talking about identifying what serves you. And we're you said we're always bombarded, whether it's on social media, different activities, different people, Mason, how are you identifying if something serves you? Is it your gut instinct? Is this thing activity or person or thing giving me energy? Um, how do I feel after this interaction or part in this thing? Like, tell me a little bit about how Mason, you know, identifies what's serving you. Yeah. Um, I think that whether you want to call it the Holy Spirit, intuition, Buddha, it, I personally believe in the Holy Spirit, right? I believe in, in God. I believe in that relationship. Um, so I believe it's Holy Spirit prompting. Or if you want to call it your conscious, you can call it your conscience, when you're, when you're searching for good, positive things in your life, and this is where I think the law of attraction thing comes in, because when you're actively searching, there's the action. I want to surround myself with good people. I want to get better. I want to do these things. And I'm going to do this, this, and that to try and get there. That's when things start happening in your life, right? And that, that Holy Spirit prompting, you can quench that. You can quench your conscious consciousness to where it's like, if I'm not showing this attention, then it's not going to serve me and tell me, Hey, you know, this gut feeling that I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> like, you know, when you're in high school and you're sneaking out of your house or, you know, you're doing whatever that, that, <laughs> that you're doing, that you have that thought, like, uh Oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Like yeah. we all have that little thought. Right. And that, I think that gut feeling, you want to call it a vibe of feeling, um, you got to listen to that, you know, and so many times we don't listen to that and we don't listen to it over and over and over and over and over again for whatever reason that is. And that goes back to being aware of why are you ignoring this gut feeling, this spirit inside of you, this consciousness inside of you that's telling you to go this way and you just don't want to go this way. Yeah. And it's incredible what happens when you do start going that way and the doors that start opening up and it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. I'm not saying you're going to start following that. And then like your world's going to change before your eyes. It very well could. And it has for me in many ways, but 
I think that we all have that feeling inside of us that we ignore a lot. Mm-hmm. So seek and you'll find. I really believe that. Seek what you want and have intention and have clarity. And that goes back to the goal setting thing. I had a mentor of mine that I've told this story before. And I just, cause I think it's so powerful. I have a mentor of mine who's, you know, made millions and millions of dollars, uh, like hundreds, probably he's super successful in every sense of the materialistic aspect of being successful, mm-hmm. but also great man, you know, all these things, great father. So I went to my first meeting with this guy and this was another thing where I was looking for a mentor and I had just, these things happened, right? I, I fell upon this guy who was super successful, was where I wanted to be and was like, yeah, I, I've done mentoring before. Like I'd love to. And it was just one of those things, right? Yeah. So we sit down, he brings out a book from like t- 2016, a journal. And it has, it's broken down into different categories, but there's a format of, you know, relational goals, financial goals, and um, what was the other one, maybe like physical goals or something, but it was broken down into three different categories of goals. He had them written out lots of numbers, like monetary things like, um, or I want to get better at this relationship. I want to forgive this person better. You know, I want to forgive myself better. Um, and so he's going through this showing me, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. This is cool. He had numbers for his businesses that he wanted to hit for that year, all this stuff. He's like, hold on one second, goes out to his car, comes back. Now, mind you, the first journal was like 2016. This was in 2020 or 2019, maybe 2019. Okay. And so it was like three years old. I was like, that's kind of old. That's cool. Comes back, brings one from like 2000, early 2000, 2002, 2003, like over 10 years prior and opens it up exact same format, different numbers, obviously the number had (laughs) exponentially gone up. Yeah. Same format. And I was like, wow, this writing things down is so powerful. It's the first action behind a thought that you have. And it's your first step of holding yourself accountable to an extent of, I want to do this. I'm going to write this down. How am I going to do it? This, this, this. And then you can go back and look, did I do that? Okay. So I wanted to do this, this month, this year, this day. What did I do to do, to get to that goal? What action did I put in to get to this? And when you start checking off the actions, those tiny little micro actions that you, that you've put to paper, and through research, through failure, you've learned what works, right? You have systems that work just like a business has systems. You can have systems to what works for you because I don't think there's a one size fits all approach to success, right? I, I do think that, and this is a question I love to ask is like, what's your definition of success? And I, cause I love it. The answer is because they're so different, but there is no one size fits all approach to this for anybody. So no. you have to look at yourself and say like, what is success to me? What do I want in my life financially, physically, spiritually? And where, how am I going to, you know, get there? And when you start writing things down, it's, it's crazy. I think Sean, uh, what was his name? Sean Mendez or Sean, I can't remember his full name, but he, he runs a podcast, also had a book. He did a study with a bunch of his clients And they were 40% more likely to accomplish their goals whenever they wrote it down and had an accountability partner. Almost 50% 
Like, I mean, that is facts, science for anyone that likes numbers. Like this is a fact. So I was like, whoa, I got to start writing stuff down and being more intentional in my goal setting and how I'm going to get there. I, I love all of that. And I want to ask you, Mason, do you have an accountability partner? I do. I, I have multiple guys that I talk to pretty daily basis, if not weekly basis, that I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Where are you here? You know, and that's that's part of breathing air. I want that community to be an accountability partner. And for and for us to be able to say, like, these are tough conversations to have. It's hard to be vulnerable. Um, and that was like the biggest step for me. Like I got to <clears throat> put myself out there and be vulnerable, but in turn, I've gained so much from taking that leap and being able to do that. So I think accountability is the biggest thing. Cause we're always going to fail ourselves. You know, we can't do, we weren't built to do this life thing alone. So to be able to have that person or that group of people that you can be honest, real with, um, that has your best interest at heart, that's going to tell you things that you don't always want to hear. Um, those are the people that you should surround yourself with real quick. I, I want to mention that I've been kind of using, um, Instagram and like Instagram stories, my accountability partner. Like I'll be, I'll hop on and say, yo, everybody tomorrow I'm doing this workout or I'm running this amount of miles today. You know, there'll be times where I'm like, Hey, I'm running five miles. And you know, later during that run, I'll be like, I don't feel like finishing this five miles, but I already posted it and like everybody knows. So I think there's so much power in that accountability partner. I have to report to this person in some shape or form and keep them updated. So you don't want to disappoint them and you want to keep them fueled and motivated. You, you mentioned your mentor, Mason, what, what are your overall thoughts on people having mentors and how that can almost, you know, speed up time and like rate of success in general, just having a mentor who's a little bit older, more experienced and just change your whole outlook on life. Yeah. Find someone that is doing or is at where you want to be. And, and that could be not just speaking monetarily, like that could be a great father, a great role model, like whatever it is you want in life, go find someone that is doing it right now and be able to pick their brain, be able to say, Hey, like, how did you get here? Where did you fail? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? And that's your instant cheat code to maybe skipping a few of those failures, right? And saying, let's weed out some of these things. And everyone's path is different. Everyone's journey is different. But what having a mentor does allows you to pick the brain of someone that is where you want to be personally. And, and your path may not be exactly the same. And they might not be exactly where you want to be. But they have had success in that area. And why not gain that wisdom from them, right? It's like reading a book. Um, if you're reading a book, like you want to be reading a book from somebody that you think has knowledge enough that you want, right? You don't want to read a book 100%. from someone that you don't want to learn from. So same thing with mentorship. And, um, you know, I haven't ever personally like paid for a mentor or done anything like that. Not saying that that isn't something that is not valuable. I think that's extremely valuable. Um, but, and it's, it's pays dividends. Your network is, is your net worth, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe in that. And this world is a networking world. That's a connection world. If, if you know somebody, 
you're more likely to get a job or, or to get help with this project that you need funding for, or, you know, and that's garnered garnering your relationships with people, right? Being real, being authentic, being a good friend, even when it's has nothing to do with what you're going to get in return. Yeah. And when you take relationships on that way, um, that's when you really build real connections with people. And I always tell people, people know when you're bullshitting and not like, it's not that hard to see through somebody who isn't being real and authentic. Like there some are a lot better than others, but you yeah. know, it's pretty easy after being with someone for, you know, a good amount of time to know if they're being real, if they're actually passionate about what they're talking about. And so, you know, find that and, and be able to say, this makes me tick. This makes me go. This is what I love. And don't be afraid to chase it. The, um, you, you struck a chord with me and like one of the main tenets of why I started this podcast is like the idea that no two single people have, you know, the same blueprint to success. There's no, like no two people have the uh, need to achieve the exact same things to be happy in their lives, to be successful in their mind. Everybody has their own definition of success. And you already said that you ask your guests this. I want to ask you, Mace, what is your definition of success? Yeah. So the smallest, the smallest way to say this or the quickest way to say this for me is at the end of the day, if I put my head on the pillow, I can say I got 1% better mentally, physically, and spiritually. I poured some energy into those categories. And I think when you, when you are paying attention to those pillars of life that I like to call them, then things will start happening in your life that you can't explain that just things start falling into place and, and not, not to say you won't have hardships, not to say you won't have struggles, but when you are putting in action mentally, physically, and spiritually, I think success comes from that. you have a healthy body, a healthy mind. You have healthy relationships with yourself and those around you. And so that is why the three pillars of the show is mental, physical, and spiritual strength. Uh, I think those apply to business and relationships and money and physique and all whatever you want in life that I think that those three are so important. That's really powerful. I want to, I want to ask about how Mason, your recent vacation to Mexico has maybe contributed to that 1% yeah. better at, in one of those, uh, you know, three mind, body, spirit, um, slivers of life. So I had a cool experience. Uh, I just got back from Cabo, went with my girlfriend and uh, her mom and fiance and had an incredible time, drank too much tequila for sure. But <laughs> we took a walk on the beach and <clears throat> found these rocks. And I, like I said, I've been practicing Wim Hof breathing and meditation and those types of things. And I kind of just was like, hey, I'm going to, you know, step away, get my alone time for myself. And I'm so drawn to the water uh, there. That's one of my happy places. I think everybody has happy places, but lake water, anything with water. I love it. And so I was sitting there on this big rock and went through my breathing, went through my meditation. And at this time in the year at in January, in January and February, it, the waves are massive. Uh, I'm like 10 foot waves crashing right on the shore. You know, usually you have smaller waves, like bigger waves out. Like they were big waves crashing. And so I'm sitting there meditating and 
doing my breathing and just listening to these huge waves just crash and crash. And I'm just trying to imprint that sound and that feeling and like the sun on my face and like paying attention to all the little details so that I can like revisit that whenever I want. Like if I wanted to just go in my room and like revisit that specific moment in time, then like I could, I could feel the sun. I could listen to the ocean and it really brought to the to life for me that the biggest thing that I want is, is freedom of time, right? Mm -hmm. Time is our most valuable asset. It, you know, you can make a lot of money and you can lose it really quick. You can make it right back. Um, time is our most valuable asset. We don't know when our time is up. You know, it could be Tiger Woods just got in a crazy car accident. Like he yeah. didn't know about to get in a car accident. He could have died easily. I mean, his car was totaled. Yeah. We could all possibly, you know, die or get sick. And I mean, especially with, you know, everything that's going on in the U.S. recently, I think that's even more real to people. People are losing family members and friends and, you know, cancer's the thing and all these things. Right. And not to say that we should ever live in fear of death because, you know, I think that it's something that we have to have a positive relationship with. It's like, we are going to die. So what are you going to do while you're here? And, and what are you going to, whether you have a chance to look back at your life or you don't, like, are you going to be able to say that I made this impact? Like our time is so limited and it's our most valuable asset. And when I was in beach, this beautiful location, I felt like I was walking like on a dream, just like walking on this beautiful beach. And I'm just thinking like, wow, this is, this is life. Like this is what the only time that we have is this present moment. And there's no other moment that matters. Like what happened 30 minutes ago doesn't matter. What happens an hour from now doesn't matter because it's doesn't exist. Like that's fake. That's this weird reality that we come up with in our head. And, and here is the only place to be. And here's the place that we can truly be happy because when we're thinking about what happened yesterday or three years ago, when that person broke our heart or when we made that mistake or, and, and we still haven't forgiven ourselves or we're thinking like, man, I wish I could be at this place five years from now, then we're not here. And when we're not here, our minds elsewhere, and we can't have gratitude for just being here and being alive and having time now. Right. So that was the other thing. It's like, I was trying to be so present in the moment of like, thank you, like gratitude and, and being able to say like, wow, I'm here. Thank you for this. And, you know, be able to realize that time is all we have. Wow. That was powerful, man. Um, it really is. All we have is right now. That's all we can, can control, man. That's powerful. The idea of you meditating with the waves crashing against you, like that's a really cool feeling and being able to tap into that image when you're like, you want to instill some tranquility and calm down. That's one last question I want to ask. That's kind of a, a tough one. I know that you've chatted about it and it was kind of like a motivation for starting your podcast. Um, Mason, what do you want to be remembered for? So this is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, but I want to be, I actually just, you know, wrote down some things that like goals and I screenshotted it and I put it on the back of my phone so I can look at it every day. Right. And this was something too, that kind of came to me when I was in Mexico, like what, 
what kind of intention do I want to set? What kind of intention do I want to put out there uh, for, for my life? And, and how do I want to be remembered? One of them is I am the best brother, son, friend, and person in my power. I inspire, motivate, and push those that I come in contact with. I'm mentally, physically, and spiritually in shape, and I have freedom with my time. Mm. Um, so those are a few. Um, but <clears throat> I think being able to have a daily reminder, you have to revisit these things, guys. Like this isn't something that just happens overnight. Like nothing happens overnight, right? It will happen overnight. It'll feel like it happened overnight. And then you'll have this power that you can use for the rest of your life. And I really do think it's a superpower, <laughs> like meditation and being able to control your mind, control your thoughts, control your emotions. That's, we get so emotional and worked up and I do it every day still, but to be able to have that, okay, nope, let me breathe. Let me come back to this present moment. Like that doesn't matter anymore. What can I do now? Like, how can I fix this now? And if I can't fix this now, what's, what's a step that I can take to fix it? So that's been something that is a superpower. Like you're controlling your mind and your, and your body. And in turn, you're controlling your reality by doing that. So I, I was reading this article by Tej Doza, actually. And it was like, you can find it on his Twitter. Uh, I think he might have put it on his little tag on Twitter. But I was reading it and I was like, dude, this is awesome stuff. Because he was talking in it about like Kanye, right? You know, he's up there going crazy saying like, I am uh, the next Einstein. I am the next Bill Gates or, uh, you know, all these famous people. And, you know, we all look at him like, dude, you're crazy. But he talks about this idea of living in a fantasy land. Like, and that's why I kind of, it was inspired me to put this like, I am this, I am that. And even if I'm driving this car right now, like in my mind, I'm driving a Lambo. Like I'm already, I'm already there in my mind. And that's why I've already made it. Like what else do I have to do? You know, I, I have already made it in my mind. There's a thing that I love to repeat to myself and it's say thank you in advance for what is already yours. Yes. Uh, if in your mind, you're already there, that is your reality. And when, when people realize that power, when you do get to get, you know, that healthy marriage or that car that you want or the job that you want or whatever it may be, material or physical or per, like whatever that may be for you, when you get it, you'll have already felt that gratitude, felt that feeling of having it. And that's where that meditation and subconscious mind comes in. And Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot of feeling the gratitude, feeling how it's going to feel to accomplish those goals, seeing it like down to the tiniest detail. Like when I was sitting there, like hearing it, seeing it, feeling it, like picturing my house on the beach right there and, and these things that, or whatever it is. Right. Um, and actually like living that emotion because your body doesn't know the difference. Like your mind doesn't know the difference between these reps that you're doing in your head and what is reality. There is, there is no difference. You, you hear athletes all the time about envisioning, you know, them making the play making the catch, the crowd going wild, them juking someone out. And I've told this story before, but there's a, 
a prisoner of war who literally was in, he was a prisoner of war for multiple years. And in order to stay sane, he just kept thinking that he was playing golf over and over in his head. And he finally got rescued like a year plus later. And he goes and finally plays this round of golf and shoots the best score he's ever shot in his entire life. Wow. Because his brain didn't know the difference of the mental repetitions and the physical things. He had already played over and over and over and over in his brain. He had ar- the guy had already made the shot over and over and over in his brain, right? Or you had already uh, killed that interview over and over and over in your brain. You'd already you know, been a positive role model or whatever that is. And so those mental repetitions, like you're just hijacking your body and, and your mind, like you're already there. And that's when you can realize that it's incredible what happens. I want to say I'm all about hyping up your friends. You know, hi, my, my, one of my taglines for this year is hype up your friends 2021. And I want to say, Mason, I believe in you. We need to do another podcast when you have the Lambo, we'll do the recording in the Lambo and we'll have another conversation. We that, can make a, a playback of this conversation. And whenever that happens, we'll, we'll make some, some sort of video about this. And, and that conviction in your voice that it's already in there, you visualize it and there was no doubt in your mind that that's going to happen. So yeah. dude, I love that. Um, where can people follow you on your journey and listen to uh, Breathe in Air podcast? So you can find the podcast. It's Breathe in. So like breathing with no G B R E A T H I N with an apostrophe air. And you can find that on all the podcast sites, you know, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. We also have our visuals on YouTube as well. Breathe in air podcast. And then you can find me on Instagram at breathe in air podcast. I usually post most of my stuff on there. I'm also pretty active on uh, Twitter as well, breathe in air pod, or you can just search my name, Mason Bendigo. Awesome. And reach out to me if you have any questions, if you want to chat, anything. I mean, I, this is what it's all about for me is being able to make connections with people and be real with people and have those conversations that we don't have as much as we should. Uh, we all think these things, feel these things, but it's harder to have the conversation. So if anyone was moved by this in any type of way. Like I'd love to talk to you about anything that we chatted about. So appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Mason, thank you very much for making time from your schedule to come on. I've enjoyed, um, you know, following you just in the time that I've recently come across you, you're sharing great stuff on your Instagram, your Instagram story and your Twitter. So anybody listening, I encourage you to follow Mason, listen to his podcast and yeah, we'll, we'll do something like this again soon, Mason. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great.